On the 30th of April, and right before the UK barred the entry of flights from India, billionaire vaccine maker Aadhar Poonawala made a quiet exit to London with his family. Poonawala is the CEO of the Serum Institute of India, the largest vaccine manufacturer in the world. That's a pretty good place to be in, right, when the world needs millions upon millions of vaccines. The Serum Institute over 2020 had even struck up the right partnerships, scaled up capacity and promised to deliver vaccines not just to India, but a number of countries and global consortiums. But all that was before India's debilitating second wave of the pandemic. Well, India is battling the second wave of this uh, pandemic with over 2 lakh cases in a consecutive four days. This turned the screws on Serum, pushing it to hurriedly divert its efforts to India's needs and juggle government pressure with a suitable price for its now in-high-demand vaccines. Poonawala fled, alleging safety concerns for himself, saying that he'd never received such aggressive threats before. But his flight isn't just an escape. As CEO, Aadhar Poonawala needs to set out a new course of action for his vaccine genie. As evidence for that, in fact, just a few days after he left, it was announced that Serum dropped a cool £240 million investment in the United Kingdom. India, Serum's home country, may just not be enough anymore to contain its next chapter. And the UK is just the first stop. Hello and welcome to Unofficial Sources, a business podcast by The Ken. I'm Anushka Chakara. And I'm Alana Banerjee. And we're your hosts. This episode, we look at the journey of billionaire Aadhar Poonawala, what the Serum Institute of India has done over the course of the pandemic, its place in the geopolitics of both India and other countries, and what the company has planned for its future as a dominant player in biotechnology. Stay tuned. The Serum Institute of India, born back in 1966, is a completely family-owned and private company held by the multi-billionaire Poonawala family. Since their inception, Serum Institute has been the largest manufacturer of vaccines across the world, with vaccines for polio, diphtheria, tetanus, among a bunch of others. So if you've gotten your child vaccinated, there's actually a 65% chance that that vaccine has been produced in the serums plant in Pune. And then, of course, in early 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic hit us with its full fury. The world desperately needed a vaccine. Millions and millions of people in every country needed a vaccine. This was a crucial moment for Aadhar Poonawala and the Serum Institute. He's the heir of the Serum business. They had to decide, either sit back and continue doing what they were doing in the shadows or step into the light and grab a hold of the situation as the largest vaccine manufacturer in the world. 
Poonawala, along with the philanthropist he is, is a capitalist. And the Serum Institute recognized the opportunity to make billions with the well-placed position they were in. Since then, Serum has negotiated a deal with AstraZeneca to produce 1 billion doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine. In India, it's popularly known as Covishield. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation also provided $150 million as prepayment to supply about 200 million doses of this vaccine to Gavi, the vaccine alliance, to provide immunization to poor countries. Serum has invested $100 million of its own money towards this. Something interesting to note here is that Serum had actually begun producing the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine before it had even been approved. So by the time it was approved in January of 2021, Serum had increased its production capacity in the meanwhile so that they could produce 2.5 billion vaccines a year from their previous 1.5 billion doses. So that put Serum in a unique position. By the time it was approved, they had a stockpile of a lot of Oxford AstraZeneca vaccines and countries like Saudi Arabia, Morocco and Brazil had placed orders for millions of doses with Serum. But surprisingly enough, there was one government who had virtually placed zero orders with Serum and that was the Indian government. Serum had no idea how many vaccines the Indian government wanted or how to scale its production to provide for all the Indian citizens. In fact, when an order did go out by the government, only 11 million doses were ordered for a population of 1336 million Indians. Punawala had even expressed how Serum had a stockpile of 50 million vaccines just waiting and they were waiting for the Indian government to get in touch. Yeah, I mean, it's been a huge relief now that uh, we finally got the approval and we've got uh, more than 50 million doses available. As soon as the government of India uh, lets us know where they want it shipped out and, um, you know, uh, certain other formalities have to be processed and a signed contract has to be there. In this week, we're, we're expecting all these formalities to be completed in the next seven to 10 days and a very quick rollout. After that, and we're hoping to reach 70 to 80 million doses of actual supply um, in the next one month, maybe a month and a half at the most. Despite all this, the Indian government was sure that they could lean on the Serum Institute whenever they wanted. Plus, India was busy sending vaccines to other countries. This was considered a geopolitical masterstroke by the Modi government. Except there was a storm that neither Modi nor Poonawala saw coming. Something that would quickly change India's status as a vaccine donor. So, as we all know, since we're still living in it, the second wave of the pandemic hit India. And it hit India brutally. We were massively underprepared. With immense pressure on the healthcare system, infections and deaths due to COVID have reached an all-time high with shortages in hospital beds, medicines, oxygen, and pretty much all resources. The need to get citizens vaccinated is more urgent than ever. And the central government is no stranger to that. But remember, an order of only 11 million doses had been placed. So now that we need many, many, many more, what does the government decide to do? Well, it bans 
all exports of vaccines. And that was a really big deal. Because countries that were expecting their orders to be fulfilled through serum were not happy with this move. And this move was being deemed as vaccine nationalism. And honestly, things were getting really dicey for Poonawala as well. Because the central government had set the sort of precedent that they could twist his arm to get their vaccine fulfillments, state politicians and businessmen began threatening Poonawala, according to him. Because of that, earlier this month, May, Poonawala and his family quietly fled to London, alleging fear for their safety. So Poonawala has now realized that Serum needs more elbow room to grow. And that growth might just lie beyond India's borders. For one, the ban on export of vaccines holds dangerous implications for Serum's relationship with countries and organizations that procure vaccines from them. These organizations have been the largest sources of profit for Serum. Two, there are complications with the IP of new products and biotechnology. Companies are really wary of licensing out intellectual property to India. So, an international presence will help Serum license new products. And third, Serum's business model so far has been to supply high-quality, low-cost pediatric vaccines to international agencies and governments. But with COVID, it's facing some serious competition there. For instance, Moderna also has stepped up its commitments to the Vaccine Alliance Gavi. The ball is in Serum's court. So what's their strategy and next move? To dive into that, we called in Seema Singh, co-founder and editor at The Ken. Seema wrote the story titled Adar Poonawala's Bid to Vaccinate Serum Institute Against All Threats, which is the story on which this episode is based. Serum is uh, basically capitalizing on its already large production base. It's adding more capacity, something which it had started even before the full scale of the pandemic was known. More importantly, it's adding new technologies and product platforms to its portfolio. Apart from AstraZeneca's Covishield, which is already in the market, it has Novavax, Codagenics, Pi Biotech, and who knows, a couple of more um, under discussion. So Tapir Serum wants to retain its title of the vaccine backbone of the global vaccine supply chain. The first big move for Serum here is in collaboration with Novavax, a company that is producing their COVID-19 vaccine called Covavax. And Serum is a big partner for them, set to produce 1 billion doses. Novavax seems to have a good product. Its phase one and phase two studies have shown stellar results. It's an important collaboration for Serum and India because in the projected 2.1 billion vaccine doses secured by the Indian government, which it announced last week, Novavax and Serum are supposed to supply 200 million doses between August and December. Uh, And in terms of technology, it's a subunit vaccine, something which Serum is already familiar with. And it's also fairly straightforward technology to scale up and manufacture, except for the adjuvant which uh, Novavax uses, and it comes from the bark of a Chilean tree. Okay, so it seems to be working out pretty well, but I sense a but coming with that last sentence you said. 
Yeah, so it's delayed. Uh, you know, Novavax is pretty uh, delayed on its timelines, which it announced earlier this year. Uh, and it's not because of Serum cannot produce it. It's mostly because Novavax hasn't done all the trials and it doesn't have the data which it needs to give for regulatory approval. Uh, and it's actually, it's a 34-year-old company which has never produced commercial-grade vaccines. Not one. So I guess it doesn't have the experience of large-scale trials. It also has a supply crunch on its adjuvant, as I said, and it has its own brand called Matrix M, which is used in other vaccines as well. So it's, the problem lies at Novavax end. And the Novavax vaccine isn't the only COVID vaccine that is part of Serum's upcoming production. There's also Codagenics, which is another American company that's developing its COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, Codagenics tech is yet another type of vaccine where uh, the delivery mechanism is absolutely new. It's a cell culture-based vaccine, which again, Serum is familiar with. But the mechanism is that it's not an injectable, it's an intranasal vaccine. And the second difference, and which is a positive uh, for serum, is that unlike most uh, vaccines which are in use today, which are designed to elicit immunity against the spike protein of the virus, Codagenics is designed to produce immunity against all proteins of the virus, something which Bharat Biotech's uh, vaccine, Covaxin, does. And last week, Serum began dosing people with Codagenics vaccine in the UK. So with just COVID vaccine, you can see that, you know, Serum has, you know, a product portfolio of three to four new vaccines and platforms this year itself. And that's a big diversification for the company. And it's understandable because the market opportunity is large. Just last week, Equia, it's a US health data firm, came out with a report which says the market opportunity is $157 billion through 2025 just for vaccines and booster shots. We'll be back right after this short break. Hey folks, my name's Sharath and I'm a designer here at The Ken. I make about one-third of the cool pictures and infographics you see in our stories. I've actually got zero background in business and finance, but this place still clicks for me mainly because we're comfortable with a culture that encourages trying out new things and taking risks. As recently as last week, I got to draw a man with snot running out his nose. I get to make animated GIFs and videos. And if you listen to our podcast in the Ken app, I designed the cover art and UI for it too. That's the value I see at the Ken. The spirit of not stifling creativity and fun in favor of sterile, unopinionated content. And if you're a subscriber, it'll be something that you too would value almost immediately. And while you can't get the feel of our graphics in our podcast, we'd like for you to experience them too anyway. So just for our listeners, we've set up a special offer at the-ken.com slash podcast offer. It'll be linked in the show notes. That's all from me. Thanks for listening. So Serum has a bunch of promising candidates under its sleeve when it comes to COVID vaccines. But beyond just COVID, Serum also has the potential opportunity to bring the holy grail of vaccines under their portfolio. And that's a vaccine from malaria. 
a vaccine for a disease that causes nearly 300 million acute illnesses every year. So the Jenner Institute, the same institute at Oxford University which produced the Covishield vaccine, is working on a malaria vaccine that has shown 77% efficacy. This number, 77%, is very big deal. Yeah, so malaria is part of the tough trinity, you know, along with HIV and tuberculosis. Malaria is one disease, uh, is a third disease where vaccine developers have really found it hard to crack it. To the extent also because these diseases don't really affect the rich world. As for malaria, in the last decade itself, some hundred odd vaccine candidates have been tested, but none succeeded. And for the current one, Serum has been partnering with the Jenner Institute at Oxford for many years. And because there were so many failures, WHO put a threshold limit on efficacy at 75% and above. So which is why 77% efficacy is a big deal. So once again, the Serum Institute of India, when it comes to malaria, has found itself in the right place at the right time. Serum has been a sponsor of this malaria research at Jenner Institute. And the vaccine is now going into phase three trial. Even as we speak, recruitment uh, has begun. And why it's a big deal is also because a few years ago, uh, GSK, the European company, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, produced a malaria vaccine. It showed 56% uh, efficacy in clinical trials. But over the years, the immunity wore off. Uh, and when the company tested it after four years, it found the immunity had fallen to 32-33%. That's a big drop for a disease which people get many times in their life. The average number is six times in a lifetime. Now, Serum also wants to expand to new technologies and Spy Biotech will help them with that. So before we get into that, Seema, what is Spy Biotech? It just sounds like something from a James Bond film for me. Yeah, it's a very catchy name, isn't it? Uh, but it has nothing to do with spying. The name derives from a scientific method called spy catcher slash spy tag. In simple words, it's a technique to create complex proteins. It's a protein ligation technique, actually. And this allows the spy catcher, spy tag, you know, the duo uh, allow somebody to or allow a company to create a plug-and-play vaccine platform for displaying any antigen of choice. So in this case, it's the spike protein of the coronavirus. It could be used for other infectious diseases as well. And how is Serum involved in this project? So this biotech, spy biotech, has been spun out from Jenner Institute at Oxford, where, uh, as we discussed, Serum is already a trusted partner. And the CEO is an Indian woman, uh, I mean, a woman academic of Indian origin uh, at Oxford, Sumi Biswas. Uh, and I'm told she's even visited uh, Serum at Pune. Uh, and in September, Serum signed an exclusive global licensing agreement with Spy Biotech for its new products. The startup just raised about $32 million in Series A funding, and it's running a trial in Australia for uh, COVID vaccine. So how does being involved with Spy Biotech help Serum out strategically? It's a platform technology. And as I said, it, it can be used in other infectious diseases. It can be used in oncology. 
And just to cite an example, uh, they have another vaccine candidate for a type of herpes, uh, and it's likely to get into clinical trials early 2022. So just as Cotagenics technology, which Serum is partnering with, also has scope to develop other uh, kinds of vaccine. And just last week, Cotagenics said that it's getting into cancer vaccines. So you see all, all these collaborations are actually really expanding uh, Serum's product portfolio. Now, Serum clearly wants to expand beyond its current ambit. But to do that, it needs money. Any Indian company looking to expand globally needs a much larger war chest. Serum already is a very profitable company. Its FY20 net profit of about 2,000 crores over a revenue of 5,000 crores shows that it has earned an impressive profit. It's consistently made 40 plus percent margins over the last three, four years. And that's very impressive for an Indian biotech, which is why any private investor would easily value the company upwards of about 10 to 12 billion. But as Seema's story points out, Serum could be headed to even higher valuation heights. Based on the biotech pharma industry metric, Serum's FY20 numbers would easily evaluate at close to about $10 billion, which is like 25x of uh, its EBITDA. But if you take FY21 numbers, which are probably there, which we don't know, uh, you know, are certainly going to be off the charts. Its valuation would have increased. I don't even want to hazard a guess how much. And then if you add all the future potential that the company has, given, you know, that the next few years uh, will have a huge market for COVID vaccines, it's a very, very valuable uh, company. And all that is privately held by the family. Mint recently reported that a bunch of private equity firms, including TPG, wanted to invest about $1 billion. But the talks fell through. According to news report, it was because other Punawala wanted a $10 billion valuation for all the new vaccine supplies hived off into a new company. However, a source at TPG tells me that, you know, all of it is not correct. Certainly not the $1 billion fundraise uh, is not correct. Uh, but they did have talks. So I really don't know why that deal fell through. But what I do know is that for the kind of ambition other Punawala is currently displaying, he'll have to raise more money. Uh, he can't just do it with internal accruals or the profits that it generates, the company generates every year. It could easily go public and raise capital from the public market. But I know that's one strategy that the family has never entertained. Uh, some years ago, I had asked the senior Punawala, Adar's father, Mr. Cyrus Punawala, about going public. And he had rebuffed the idea, saying it was pretty cumbersome. And that's a fact because being accountable to public investors quarter after quarter is a tough job. So I presume sooner or later, other will unlock some value at Serum, whether it's private equity within India or outside, that we'll see. And as a step towards that, the Serum Institute has already invested in the UK with £240 million pounds or $333 million, which was announced recently. But that money by itself is not going to be enough to start a proper vaccine unit in a developed market like the UK. Running internationally needs a lot of cash, and it's anyone's guess how it's going to move forward in this endeavor. 
And that's it for this episode of Unofficial Sources. This, as you know, is the 10th episode of our podcast and it's actually a very happy milestone for us as we try new things and grow this podcast. But what do you think? Share your feedback with us on Twitter at TheKenWeb or you can also email us at podcast at the-ken.com. I leave everything down in the show notes. And we'll see you next time, next fortnight on Unofficial Sources by The Ken.